You are listening to the Taking the Leap podcast with me, your host, Rachel G. Scott. This podcast is dedicated to inspiring you to take bold leaps of faith as we hear the powerful stories of both men and women from different industries and walks of life who obey God and took risks in exchange for heaven's rewards. As you listen, my hope is that their stories will give you the confidence you need to trust God as he leads you to your next leap. Now, let's learn a little about our next guest. Today, Rachel is speaking with Clinton Hatton. He is a husband, father of three boys, personal development coach, and has been pastoring for the last 16 years. Clint is also the author of Big Bold Brave, a book that inspires people to choose life and live boldly to fulfill their divine purpose. In today's episode, he shares with us the big, bold and brave leaps in his career, how he handled the transitions and waiting periods when things were not moving as fast as he expected. He also explains why prayers, peace and agreement are essential when taking the leap as a couple and how the loss of his firstborn son in 2019 gave his family a compass and inspired him to write his book. If you're married and want to take a bold and brave leap toward what God's calling you to do, then this episode is for you. Now let's jump in. Well, welcome, Clint. I'm so excited to interview you. Thank you, Rachel. I, I've been really looking forward to this day. It's been on my calendar for a couple of weeks and we're here. So let's go. Yes, yes, I'm excited. So I've had the opportunity to look and learn some things about you and hear some of your story, but I would love for you to share that with my listeners. Tell them a little bit about you. Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I think the most important thing to me is my family. So my beautiful bride and I will be celebrating 20 years pretty soon Woo-hoo. together. And I have three boys, one who is in heaven, which we'll probably touch on that a little bit. And another one who just turned 18 and another one who just turned 13. So I exclusively now have teenagers in the home. Um, so that's, <laughs> oh, that's yeah, a huge part you. of my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then as far as what I do, I'm an author. I'm a, a personal development coach. I launched a coaching business at the beginning of this year. And then I've been a pastor as well for the better part of about 16 years. So those are some of the things that I do. But yeah, I just, uh, I, I love people and I love helping people. And so pretty much everything I do weaves into that in some form or fashion. I can so see that about you though. You just have such a, a personality already that's like contagious and encouraging. So I see that about you <laughs> so much. Thank you. Thank you. So when we were talking before the podcast started, you said you've done most of the leaps at some point um, in your journey. So just pick one and start there. Yeah. Let's tell us a little bit about one of your leaps. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to tell you probably one of the, the scariest and most rewarding because uh, there's I have several. I'm, I told you right before we got started, I'm getting older, so I have <laughs> some stories, right? But there's one in particular I think your listeners are, are really going to be blessed by and excited about. So I was working in full-time ministry and not as a pastor, not as a minister of any kind. I was just part of a support staff of a very large evangelistic association, had done that for five years, was traveling the world, super, super busy, gone a lot. And my wife and I had only been married a couple of years. It's actually where we met. But at that time, she was a single mom with our two oldest sons at home. And, you know, we didn't get married so that I could be on the road and us not do things together. So we prayed for two years, really. Uh, just waiting for a release from that. And then one day I felt like in prayer that God was telling me it's time. And he gave me some very very interesting instructions. He he told me to give a 30-day notice. So part of that was because my role, I'd been there, you know, several years. And so my role really involved 
what ended up being three different people's jobs when I left. So I, I just had a pretty broad range of things that I did that need to be handed off. And I need to make sure you know people were trained properly and all that. So 30 day notice. And then in the same instruction, he told me that once the 30 days was up to not look for work for another 30 days and redeem some time. You know, I've been again, traveling quite a bit. So, and I think it's important for your listeners, you know, I was married, so she was in full agreement. She had prayed, she had felt she had heard the same thing or we're not having this conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, di- it's a different story if we weren't in agreement. Right. So anyway, I, so I did that. I gave my notice, had no idea what the next step was going to be. You know, I'd, I had been leading some small groups in church, you know, so I did have a ministry. It was primarily young adult men at that time. So that box had kind of been checked in my mind as far as ministry goes. So just didn't know what was next. So we made that bold move and took the leap. 30 days go by. Okay. And so what I didn't tell you yet is where the miracles begin to unfold and they unfolded throughout the next month or so. So when you quit, right, any job, corporate, and certainly most church organizations, there's no severance, right? Right. Because you because you quit. And so at the end of 30 days, my boss, who was one of the executive vice presidents, said, hey, I just wanted you to know, actually, it was the day before my last day of the 30-day notice. I just want you to know I went to battle for you, and I got you a four-week severance. Wow. So I was excited. Yeah. So I was like... Awesome, you know, because we'd already expected zero, you know. <laughs> so, so that was exciting. Then the next day was my last day, and you know, you're doing the cakes and you're hugging everybody and you know, all that stuff. And he actually had to travel to Belgium. So he was on the road and he texted me and he said, Check that, make it six weeks. <gasps> now that's gonna be key. What? Okay. This, gonna, this is gonna be key. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I had to step out in faith, right? We need to recognize that first. We had to make the decision before we knew there was going to be anything on the other side, right? So obviously, last day, knowing now I've got six weeks, made that 30 days of not looking a little more palatable, right? Because my wife was a stay-at-home mom, you know, no no income. We had a house. We had car payments, you know, all that stuff. So step into the 30 days, you know, hung out a lot as a family, did some, you know, painting and, you know, different things around the house and DIY projects. The end of 30 days, I was released to start looking. So I start looking, I'm honestly, most of my resumes were sent out to secular organizations. I had been in sales most of my life up to that point. And only a couple of things even, you know, smelled like ministry, right? Just sniffed of it. And so I ended up looking at a website and some of your listeners may know who he is. His name is Jesse Duplantis out of Louisiana. But I was, I was following him because it was six months after Katrina. This is in 2006. And so really no intention, you know, of looking for a job. I live in North Dallas, love North Dallas, right? And this is post-Katrina, but I see they're looking for a youth pastor. Now, to me, this is comical because I'm a 40-year-old guy at this point. I didn't give my life to the Lord till I was 31. So I had never even seen a youth service, <laughs> you know, and here, you know, I'm like, turned to my wife and I said, ah, ha, 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 Jesse Duplantis is looking for a youth pastor. She goes, well, why don't you apply? I turned to her. I was facing away from her. I turned to her. I said, do you want to live, live in Louisiana right now? She's like, no, but, and then she pulled the God card, Rachel. She said, shouldn't we let God decide? I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I thought that was safe. Right. So I, cause nobody knows me down there. Right. So I'm like, okay, no problem. So I attached my resume. I prayed about as fervently as you do for a bowl of cereal, hit send and figured that's it. I did my part, you know? 
and I think you probably know, and all your listeners know, I wouldn't be telling this story if <laughs> you didn't know where this was going, right? So ultimately, we end up being interviewed for it. They fly us down, and we become the youth pastors. Well, part of what was still crazy about this is the Lord had also told me as we were interviewing not to negotiate a salary. Now I'm going to, and I'm going to be clear with your listeners. I, I've had a few of these fishermen type or th- this type of belief. I'm right. Sorry. That's the only time that that's ever been the case. Mm. And so that's not typical, but in this case, he made it very clear to us not to even ask. So I started doing the job. We're literally looking for housing. We're flying down, doing a service, going back to Dallas, driving down to Louisiana, going back to Dallas. Don't even know if we're getting paid. Don't know how much we're getting paid. And eventually this six-week severance is going to run out pretty soon, right? Because they were paying it over three pay periods. I didn't get it all at once. Okay. So I fly in to Louisiana one day. They were going to keep me there for about five days and do some services and some projects. And by then, we were, we were already the young adult pastors as well. They decided to expand our, our reach. And the senior pastor picks me up. We're on the way to the church. And he says, oh, hey, by the way, I wanted to let you know uh, I have a check for you. We put you on the payroll already. I'm like, oh, awesome. <laughs> you know, that's great. <laughs> and so he uh, he gets to the church and he hands it to me. And Rachel, this is what's going to blow your listeners away. That day, and they had no idea that I even had a severance from my previous job. That day that I received the first check from them was the same exact day I received the last of the three payments of my severance. So we didn't wow. miss a single day. Wow. Then now you might be asking, you know, well, well, what about, you know, the paycheck itself? And, you know, we expected because of the, the role shift, because again, I was with a pretty large organization. I, I was paid a pretty good salary. I was expecting a pay cut. And sure enough, it was. But we were like, okay, once we found out, you know, what were you paying? But it was okay. And then six months later, because they realized our capacity and some of the stuff that we were doing that was kind of in addition to when I got hired. They said, listen, it's too early for a, a raise because usually we do a yearly review, but you're doing so many things. We feel like a salary increase is really necessary. So we're just going to give you a 33% salary increase instead. How's that sound? Which wow. ended up being more than my previous salary. So yeah, I've taken a leap. I've taken more than one. And that one was crazy. It was scary. But you know, at the end of the day, as he always is, God was faithful. You know, there's so much about that story that I love. And one of the things that you said at the beginning is that God released you. Like you prayed for his release and it didn't come right away. And I can tell you that I know so many people that are like, I've been praying, I've been praying. He's not releasing me, but yet they still feel this nudging that something is getting ready to shift for them. Did you start to feel that, which is what led you to start praying about it? Yeah. I mean, I think so. Like I said earlier, this just the being on the road so much was just taking a little bit of a toll on our early marriage. And, you know, I again, I, I was a dad with two boys, young boys. And so I, that really led us to start praying close to two years before it actually happened. So it, it was slow. But it's funny, you know, we often like to use the word suddenly, you know, and we even hear about people that we we call the overnight success and it's not at all. They've been, you know, in the trenches for two or three years. And, but then there's this suddenly moment where it seems like it's an overnight thing, right? So it was a two-year process of praying, but then once it hit our spirit that now we're supposed to take an action, 
that felt like it was just immediate and things began to be set in motion pretty quickly. And so how did your prayers actually shift during that time? Was it still like, can you, can you, you know, or what became the prayers of the time when you knew it was time to move forward? Yeah, well, you know, with with my prayer life, it's always been pretty simple in the regard that I've I've always entered into prayer through the lens of just being a son. Uh, that was something that when I had my first encounter with God at 31 years old, that he he really emphasized in me that you're my son, you're my son, you're my son. So when I pray, that's that's the filter, if you will, that I that I, or the lens that I see things through. And so most of the time it was just conversations of letting him know as we often do, Hey, I'm still here. Remember what I was asking you, you know, that kind of thing. But then literally one day I was, what I wasn't to answer your question specifically about when I actually heard him, I wasn't even interceding about that that day. I was just in my normal quiet time. And I just heard him say, it's time. Wow. And I knew what he meant, you know? And so then we had this, brief conversation. And I say brief, I mean, really brief. Cause he just said, listen, it's time. I want you to give your notice. I want you to give 30 days. And I just got the instruction. Now, again, uh, I think it's important for us to say I-, I was married. So I didn't just run with that. And I'll share with you that real quick too, because I think what happened with her is critical. I went to my wife and I said, Hey, this is what I just heard. And so she said, okay, let me pray about it. And so a couple of days went by and what happened was we actually went to a church service, the church we belonged to at that time, because I wasn't on staff. I was just a volunteer at the church. And she asked the Lord for the preacher to use a very specific scripture. And sure enough, he did. And the crazy thing was, is it was during offering and it made no sense. <laughs> wow. It didn't fit. It didn't fit with what he was saying before that at all. It was crazy. And this is, he's, he was my senior pastor for many years. This guy is globally known, probably one of the greatest orators of our time. I mean, if there's ever a guy who is always precise, it's him. And I remember I was in the service and I heard him say the scripture. And I even thought to myself, cause she hadn't told me like, that was weird. What did that have to do? <laughs> you know? and then, yeah. Like, what was that? You know, he's, he's off tonight, you know? <laughs> And then on the way home, she's like, you won't believe what happened. And so that's that's how ultimately we knew we were really released and need to take the next step, the next leap. There, there's so much just meat in that. I mean, honestly, when we are taking leaps and we are married, we do know that God will speak to our spouse. And I love how she was like, let me pray about it. It wasn't like, you know, oh, no, you know. It was, let me, let me pray about it and allow God to speak the same message to her that he had given to you in, in a way that could be translated for her to know, okay, this is a yes, because then there's so much more confidence going into that leap where we know that God has told us and that God has told our spouse, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. Cause you know, we both know having done it and done it more than once. Right. When you take that leap, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be some things that come against you that make you think, oh boy, was I crazy? Did I miss it? But we have always, you know, throughout the 20 years of our marriage, there's two things we have always gone by. And that is we follow peace and agreement. So if we're, we're both in agreement and we both feel peace, we'll move on something. If one of us is not, we don't move until that happens. So that's that's always been something very helpful for us in, in deciding whether or not to take a leap of any kind. 
Mm, that's so good. And my husband and I, we are the same way. And, I, and But I love your wording for it, peace and agreement. But if we don't agree on something, we're like, okay, well, we, we're going to stay right here until until we agree, until we get, until we both either hear from God, we're not going to make any moves. And that's so key. So, but now you're back in Dallas, you mentioned earlier, right? So yes. how did that transition come about? Yes. Well, you know, that was, that had some similarities. What had happened is, is we had joined a church up in the Seattle, Washington area. And it was from my mentor who was the senior associate pastor at the church I just mentioned here in Dallas. And he took over our senior pastor in Dallas's brother-in-law's church. So it was, it was independent. It was autonomous, but it was related. It was still related uh, through relationships. So we were on staff with him for seven years did about every role you can possibly think of except for the senior pastor role. And after seven years, you know, my wife is Puerto Rican. You should know that. And if there's anybody listening out there that knows Barriqua, they know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But so she grew up in the sun. You know, I grew up in sunny Southern California. You know, we lived here in Dallas, like we already mentioned, Louisiana, certainly sunny. So seven years of the gray of Seattle wore on us. And we really similar process. We really prayed about it. We met with our senior pastors uh, a few different times over the course of several months because we just felt like our season there was ending and that the Lord was going to open the door for us to come back to McKinney, Texas is specifically where I live here in North Dallas. We have family here. You know, we didn't have family in Washington. There was a variety of factors. So ultimately, through some conversations and, and a lot of prayer, again, we felt peace and we felt agreement. And so we decided to make the move back to McKinney. Now, the scary part of that and the bigger leap part of that was we didn't have a promise of any position. So we knew we possibly were going to have to start all over again. But again, we felt peace. We felt agreement. So we did it. And the first couple of months, very scary. You know, we uh, ended up living with my in-laws who did have a sizable home. At that time I had, you know, we had three boys by then. So space-wise it was okay. But by now I'm 50 years old and never planned on moving back home right. <laughs> with kids, right? So we were with them for two and a half months. They were, they're loving, they're gracious, but you know it presented a set of challenges. And uh, we were really beginning to wonder, but then things opened up and the, the church I mentioned to begin this conversation here in Dallas ended up opening a position for us to come on staff. And so that's, that's what ended up happening. And they had a campus in McKinney and that's where we ended up again, which was exactly what we'd asked God for. We wanted to be in McKinney. So that was cool. Thank you so much for listening. I want to pause for a quick moment to tell you about two extremely valuable resources I've developed specifically with you in mind. If you are feeling called to take a leap of faith, be it to move to a new geographical relocation, to start a business, to stay on your job, but to write your book or to start a ministry or to transition, but you are unsure, even afraid to move forward, then you'll want to grab these resources. The first one is a five leaps quick guide. And within it, you will find help as you identify which leap God is calling you to make and tools for you as you prepare, plan and execute that leap. The next one is the five leaps five-week mentoring. If you are serious about this leap, but you know you cannot do it alone, you are not alone. I want to walk with you. So for five weeks, we'll work together as you prepare for the plan that God is calling you to execute. You can find both of these resources by visiting thefiveleaps.com. Thank you so much. Now let's get back started with this episode. So he answered your prayer. Yep. You know, it took some time. Now, one thing that 
you know, stood out to me is I know sometimes when we go from you were in Dallas, you move out of Dallas and then you move back, it can feel like you're moving backwards. Did you ever feel mm. that way? And how do you process that if, for someone who might feel that we're like, OK, I'm going back to my hometown that I left? Yeah, no, that that is such a great question. I'm so glad you asked that. 100%. And it was mostly me. I'm just going to be candid. My wife handled that transition better than I did, you know, because things weren't happening very quickly. I, I thought in my mind they would. I thought I was going to be offered something pretty quickly. And so, again, living, you know, in my in law's house and nothing seemingly opening up for me, it, it really began to make me doubt myself. Do I ever hear God, even though I have that crazy testimony I just gave you, right? I think we all do that, right? You can't right. forget. Anyway, so I, I struggled. I really struggled. And then I would say, you know, probably a month and a half at least where I could have been enjoying that time and just hanging out with my family and enjoying the stillness because once I got the position, things were going to get busy quick, right? I wasn't enjoying it. I was stressed out. You know, I... I it was, I was probably pretty miserable to be around. And then what happened is, is we have some really dear friends we've known in ministry for many, many years. Uh, shout out to Tim and Juliet Ross. They're amazing people. And so Tim and Juliet, who at that time were at a church called Gateway, they called us up and they said, hey, listen, we feel compelled. We need to talk to you tonight. This is like at eight o'clock at night on a weeknight. And they have, you know, at that time they had a few kids too. I'm thinking, what? It was so uncharacteristic, right? You know, we're like, okay. So we go and we met him at outside coffee place or something. And Juliet just starts laying into me in a, in a godly way. Right. She just, she just called me out. What are you doing? Where is your faith? How have you been praying? Are you really praying? Cause we're praying you through this and I'm not sure you're doing your part. I mean, she's just going at me with love and with kindness. Right. Right. And it just, it just woke me up, you know, and that's a big piece. You know, we need people like that in our lives. Right. Yes who are willing to tell us the truth. And so it woke me up. And what it did was it took about another month before something actually happened. But my peace came back to me. I recalibrated. You know, I started praying <laughs> prayers that prove you actually trust God rather than you're accusing him of, of you know, not following through. And, uh, and I enjoyed the rest of that month that I had with my family where I didn't have responsibilities and then ultimately, as I said, we ended up on staff at the church here in McKinney. And it was it was a great, great thing. That's so that's so good, because more than once have I been in that position where I could have enjoyed the stillness of the moment. But my mind yeah. was like, yeah. no, you should be here. You should be there. You should be doing this. Maybe it's because you're not doing this. Or this isn't happening. And it's like, no, God has given me a moment of stillness. And I, I can vividly remember times where I'm like, wait a second, when I do get that, it's going to take off. So let me enjoy this. And then Come a couple of weeks later, I'm like, why did I waste all that time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my yep. goodness. So you've mentioned a couple of times that you had three sons and now you have two. Can you share a little bit about that story with us? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my oldest son, he became very passionate about aviation at about eight years old. He got a chance to go up with his uncle, Danny, who has a couple of small planes and runs a little airport in rural Oklahoma and got the bug and never let go of it. Uh, by the time he was 16 years old, he soloed. He actually soloed in a plane before he had his driver's license, which is a little crazy, right? <laughs> and so he, he pursued it. You know, he was, he, his dream was to become a licensed pilot, eventually a commercial pilot. 
And at 17 years old, he accomplished that goal. And, you know, Gabriel was an amazing young man. He not only became a pilot, he taught himself guitar. He was an amazing photographer, uh, had some opportunities within that. He was just a real go-getter. And then on September 23rd of 2019, just a few months shy of his 18th birthday, uh, he had an opportunity to take a friend from here in Dallas to uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, the airport near there, because they were going to school there at University of Arkansas and drop her off and come back at night because he needed some night hours. And on his return trip, many of your listeners are probably familiar with what happened to Kobe Bryant. Uh, his wow. his pilot suffered from something called spatial disorientation. So he encountered some unexpected weather in the mountains there in Arkansas, thought he was right side up. He wasn't. And he he crashed and, and he he passed away um, instantly. So, you know, a devastating blow uh, yeah. to our family, literally in an instant, no pun intended, but our world came crashing down. And it was changed forever. And so, you know, we found ourselves living the parents' worst nightmare, but knowing that one, we knew where he was, you know, we knew, we knew where his new residence was, which brought us a measure of, of peace and comfort. And then secondly, we knew that we had to carry on, you know, for ourselves, for both of our boys, and certainly not the least of which I could have mentioned first for God, you know, just, just knowing that our destiny didn't end with his passing, you know? And so that was, was something that happened. Then a couple months after that, of course, the whole world turned upside down with COVID. So there was a lot going on in, you know, the end of 2019 for us as a family, but that began to birth some new things as well. And so, you know. Yeah. And, you know, as you've been talking throughout this whole time, I think about the book you wrote called Big Bold Brave, right? And I see that thread throughout your life, but even having experienced that, how does that thread of you taking these big, bold, brave leaps tie into the book, into the story of your son? Yeah. Thank you for that question too. You know, uh, the big, bold, brave phrase actually came out of a television interview we did with NBC NBC, uh, the day after he passed, which I'm sure sounds crazy to your listeners. They approached me and I said no at first, but they let us know really quickly that because of his age, it was going to be a story that they had to cover. And so they gave us an opportunity to do an interview with them in our home and said, listen, and the reporter was a believer. And she says, listen, if you let me do the interview, you can frame it however you want. You can include your faith. You can talk about God. You can, you know, whatever you want to do. So we chose to do it. And in that interview, and I, it wasn't even conscious. It just came out. I said, he lived his life big, bold, and brave. So she didn't actually use me saying it at the end of the broadcast because it was about a, I don't know, two or three minute feature. She says, Gabriel's parents encourage you to live big, bold, and brave. And Rachel, there was something about it that just stuck with me. Now, nothing came out of it immediately, but I just, I just knew there's, there's life. There's life on that phrase. Cause the morning of, this is what I really want to share with your listeners that, you know, some of them may have already gone through something just extreme loss. And unfortunately, you know, we live in a, in a world where we may face it tomorrow. Nobody's promised anything. And so the very first morning when I sat with my two younger boys and had to give them the news, I told them, listen, here's our two choices. We have two choices. That's it. We can choose for the rest of our lives to focus on how he died, how he died, the tragedy of it, how big of a loss he is, 
how much pain that involves, or we can choose life. We can choose to honor him by remembering him and constantly reminding ourselves how he lived. And so then that phrase, big, bold, brave, brought life to it. And it gave us a compass that each of us had a calling and a destiny to live big, bold, and brave, whatever that meant for us. Wow. So it became a, it became a clarion call for our family, but especially for me. And of course, you know, we already know the punchline because we talked about already that I did start a personal development company yeah. um, from that. And then I wrote the book. And if I could just add this as well to, to answer your question, when I decided to write the book, it was solely because I recognized from so many years of being in ministry and helping people through really hard things. You know, I mean, I've been in hospital rooms watching family watch a loved one die and, you know, just how traumatic that is. And so I've been on that side of it and just knowing how crushing it can be and how marriages get destroyed and families get destroyed and destinies get destroyed over something like this. And so we're not perfect. We're not superheroes, but we had some basic fundamental beliefs about the goodness of God. And we have values that we live by that have allowed us to feel through the pain because I still feel pain. Right. Yeah. I feel pain at any time. You just never know where the trigger is going to come, right? But I allow myself to feel the pain because because that's just temporary. It's only in a moment. And then this life, this for us, big, bold, brave attitude, if you will. I love your leap. Mm-hmm. You know, what's my next leap? That's our focal point because we want to live like he lived. Right. That That is so powerful. And I love how you intentionally turn that into like you said, like a mantra or a belief or a way of, I can't remember you, but I can remember these things about you. I think about recently, I was just praying about some things and God just really highlighted to me the wounds, like the wounds are a reminder, but what we allow it to remind us of is up to us. We can remember the moment, the pain, or we can remember the, we can think about the, the beautiful memories before that. And the the thing that we we overcame through that the wound is going to be there but what yeah. will it represent when we look at it and that's what i think about you know that's what what i'm hearing you say is like what is it representing big bold and brave and it sounds like even before you 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 had a family culture of that and so he was literally living out that family culture of big bold and brave and now you are able to speak to thousands of people and say this is what you live and every time you do that and you're pouring from your 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 vessel into them it's that moment of remember no matter what's going on to live big bold and brave i love that i love that absolutely absolutely if i could just share two quick things on that real quick number one is what you said about just the wounds you know uh, and i said it this way in the book the reason why we still feel pain every once in a while is because of the great love it's because of my love for my son. Yes. So I don't ask for the pain to go away. Now I need to function through it. You know, I need to feel it in that certain emotion. If it's, if it's, you know, causing me to feel like I need to cry or whatever, and I allow myself to do that. Yeah. And then I need to move into a new emotion and exercise my love in a different way. Right. So it's love that really does it at the end of the day. But I also want to point out that, you know, we can take a circumstance like this and, and, you know, I'm, 
I'm really grateful uh, for your words. That was very kind of you to say we we had a family culture of that. And looking back, I I know that's true. But I had to look deep inside too. You know, one one thing about a big loss like this is it makes you rethink everything you're doing. Time becomes so much more precious. You realize, and you know, again, for me, I'm getting a little bit older. You know, you can't waste time. And I did realize by looking at the way Gabriel lived, big, bold, and brave in every area of his life, that I had cowardice in some of mine. Mm. I call myself a coward in the book. It wasn't in everything, but I had talked for years about launching a personal development company, never had done it. I had been prayed over and spoken over. I can't tell you how many times over 15 years of when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book? Had never put pen to paper. And so it was still a catalyst for me to have this inner reflection that there were still areas of my life where I wasn't living fully who God created me to be. I wasn't living big, bold, and brave in every area. And it was time. It was time to make a courageous decision. And so that's what launched me out. You know, I'm thinking just for someone who is walking through just a season where they've just been stalled because something yeah. difficult has happened, a transition has happened, and they're afraid, they they don't know how to get over that hump. What are some things that you would, just some final words that you would say to them to help them through that? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is what happened for us on that couch that morning. You know, we made a decision to see our circumstance for what it was. You know, you couldn't deny what happened. So whatever your listener is battling through, whatever their loss is, whatever their pain is, you know, it could be so many things. It may not be loss of a child like like mine. It could be they lost a career. It could be they suffered through a horrible divorce. There's so many forms of, of losses that can really impact us. But whatever it is, there's still life in there because, you know, God is in our life. Right. And so finding a focal point of where the life is in your life. And I know that may sound too simplistic, but that's what we started to do. So so for me, that was where can I spend my energies in a new direction that's going to bring that excitement to life back again so I don't just stay stuck in despair and and in my tragedy. So then, so that's a great, what I call a courageous decision. Your life, you did it. Every leap you've taken started with one courageous decision. And then you made a commitment to that courageous decision. So you've got to make a commitment. I'm going to live in a new direction. This is what I feel like God is calling me to go after. This is who I really am. So I make a courageous decision. Then I think another important piece of that is you got to involve other people. You will never move out of pain. You will never do anything great without the collaboration of God and other people. So you need to invite someone in to that. You need to invite in some accountability. And so, you know, for your listeners, that that may be their spouse, that may be a mom and a dad, that may be a pastor, it may be a friend, but there's got to be somebody that you bring into that, you know? Yeah. And, and then beyond that, you know, there's just practical things. You need to gain wisdom in whatever it is you're wanting to do. You know, I had to gain wisdom in how to write a book. Right. Had never written a book. So I went to a two-day workshop to learn how to write a book. There you go. You know? <laughs> Yeah. And so next thing you know, and then I formed a plan. Okay. This is, I learned how to do it. And now I set up a plan and then I executed on it. So I think it just starts with you. You've got to choose life and life is something that's going to point you in a direction where you're going to, you're going to know where that is. 
this was such a good conversation and just full of wisdom, just full of insight and things to really reflect on. I want to make sure that my listeners can stay connected with you. They can get your book. So if you could, number one, tell us what your next leap is. <laughs> and then number two, tell us where they can find you because I don't want to forget that. Yeah, um, thank that you. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, the next leap is I'm in the middle of it, right? Because I'm actually pre-selling my book right now and I'm going to be fully launching it within the next couple of weeks. So that leap- okay is upon me. I'm like halfway up into the air in the middle of my leap already. Yeah. Um, But I have some other things and this is going to weave into connecting with me as well. Next year, one of the things I love what you're doing. I think what you're doing is so important. Thank you. You know, I've had it on my heart to do a podcast as well. So next year I plan on launching uh, a new podcast. Yeah. It'll be called stories of big, bold, brave humans. And I want to do this kind of thing. I want to interview people, you know, and they could be someone who's known, but just ordinary people who have had extraordinary circumstances come their way and they didn't quit. They didn't stop fighting and they overcame, you know, what seemed like insurmountable odds and they're courageous decision makers that inspire lives. That's, that's what that's going to be about. And then there's some other things with coaching as well, but uh, the best way to connect with me right now is on my website, which is bigbullbrave.us. Yes, us. That's right. It's going to take us to make this happen. So bigbowbrave.us, you can go on there right now. You can pre-order the book. Uh, I have a really cool book trailer video where you can see a little bit more. You'll you'll actually see some imagery of my son, Gabriel, and some footage, and it's actually really beautifully done. And then through that, if you uh, decide to buy the book through there, then I'll capture your information, of course, and I'll be able to let you know upcoming things going on with Big Bold Brave. But also you can find it on Amazon if you prefer not to you know, give away your data or whatever, that's fine. You can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's all out there. And then for your social media people, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, and I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. And what are your handles on there? Instagram is just Clint Hatton. The Facebook, oh my gosh, Rachel, I should have been ready for that. We'll You'll put be able in the to show find- notes. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah. And, and it's easy to find. There's not a lot of people with my name. So that's helpful. Right. <laughs> well, I love it. This was an amazing interview and I so enjoyed it. Thank you so much thank for you. being on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Rachel. It's been such a blessing. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you were inspired by what you heard and you're even more encouraged to trust God with your next leap. Before you go, I want to invite you to visit thefiveleaps.com to learn more about upcoming guests, helpful resources, and our text community support, all intended to help you prepare to take your next leap. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember, God can do more with our willingness than he could ever do with our worthiness.